what is going on another fantastic week for all my outdoor fiends this was yeah fiends man this was the weekend that i mean it's red bud red bud oh man there was guys actually getting mad when they would yell it and nobody would yell it back and we're like <laughs> like dude we're we're trying to have like a conversation and people walking by yelling red bud every two seconds makes it pretty hard to do that but <laughs> i love the energy fella keep it up this week as always brought to you by pro taco hot sauce www.brotacofoods.com Use code PTTG for 20% off your purchase. I know tomorrow I'm going to drop some more. I'm getting a little low, especially I haven't replaced that broken bottle that I had a couple weeks ago yet. Um, and then uh, I got to order order some more for like my mom and brother and all them. Just do one big old groove order using the code PTTG. Help Sean out. He seems bored. I haven't seen him post on the old book of faces for a while. So, although I haven't had phone service for the last like four or five days, but give them something to do. Filled up the little bottles. Also, Sunstar Sprockets and Chains, sunstardashbreaking.com. Finally got a promo code up. I am technologically stupid, so sorry it took so long. Uh, clicking all the buttons, crashing the site, fun stuff like that. Uh but code PTTG during checkout to get 30% off your order. If you have any questions, please feel free to email support at sunstar-breaking.com. Also, powertotheground.com, where it all started. Um, Jesse's been working pretty tirelessly on the website. Make sure you stop by, say what's up, get in on some pickums. Um just see what he's been doing. He's always sending us updates and stuff like that on what he's working on. I don't know. I haven't been on it since I've been home, but I know he was working on it this weekend. Uh, fancy. Yeah. And then also this podcast is powered by Nova pro media. They're the ones that make sure that we got all our little buttons to click webcams, holders, all that fun stuff. Uh, also the one behind the website. Other than that, Red Bud weekend. I do have some rants about Red Bud in general, oh. more the promoter, which you know, I was going off on text message, man. I was so, so fucking mad, dude. Like, <laughs> that's the only time I've ever been so mad that my watch gave me an abnormal heart rate detected. So, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I was mad, man. <laughs> but it's, uh, we'll get into all that. And that was, I mean, I almost didn't even get to attend the race. I was so mad. But other than that, uh, I mean, well, shit, I guess we better just start from the top. Let's just start with that. I mean, that was literally Saturday morning going into the track, like 730 in the morning, waiting in traffic for like 40 minutes to get in there because I could only go through a certain gate because of the ticket that I had, which isn't a big deal. And then I get up there and I hand her my tickets and she says, they're no good here. You have to buy general admission passes as well as the VIP pass that we sent you for being a being close by or whatever. So then I had to pay for general admission passes on top of the, the VIP stuff. And 
they're like, well, it says on our website. And I'm like, you sent them to me directly, like to my email. I printed them. Like I didn't go onto your website. And then I pulled it up like the pro motocross or whatever to buy tickets. She's like, no, you have to go to the redbudmx.com website. I'm like, who the fuck buys tickets from there? And the worst part was it wasn't just me, man. We had like Acer Bs behind me, the local Amsoil rep, the local Hoosier rep. Um, there was another another company back there too, one of the suspension companies. They all ran into the same thing where they sent us tickets and then they neglected to tell anybody. They also had to get your yeah. own normal tickets. Yeah. It's legitimately cheaper for me just to go sign up for amateur days and hang out in the paddock. Like that doesn't that doesn't even make sense to send you VIP, even if they would have included it in there. Why just be like send you free? Well, I guess it's just for like the hut. Like you have to pay to get in, and then like it's like getting bottle service at a club. I guess I don't know. I've I've only ever done it at Iron Man, and I just walk up and I'm like, "Hey, man, what's up?" You know, and I hand them that, and they're like, "Cool, here's your wristband. Have fun." Like I've never, it was weird. And then I, well, after running around talking to everybody throughout the whole morning back in the pits, they were all telling me, like, "Dude, Red Butt is the most expensive track. Like nickel and dime you for everything the whole weekend that you're there." Um, so if you do go watch Red Bud live, just remember that don't run into a situation like I did and a couple of the other fellas that are running around all, all the different tracks, trying to catch up with some of our guys and make sure people are taken care of not only for amateur days, but on the pro days. Also the amateur days, I got so mad. I just left. I didn't even hang out, man. Really? Even on amateur day? Yeah. Oof. So that's kind of my rant. But I also figured out that it's not actually uh, MX Sports that does the Redbud race. Redbud has its own promotion company that puts on the Pro National race. I thought they were. I thought all the individual tracks were their own promoters that put them on. Yeah, but a lot of them still use MX Sports to help do a lot of the stuff, like the ticket sales and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Redbud was the last track on the whole national circuit for the past like five or six years that I had to, I haven't been to. And it was definitely not as, I mean, the racing was great. Once I got everything settled, it was great. Like my accommodations off the track were great. But that like 30 minutes arguing with a man was not great at all like i don't know it almost ruined the whole weekend for me man and then uh real easy oh yeah and then the like they weren't like nice about it either like we were trying to like have them explain to us like what they're talking about you know like why why is it like this and they're like oh well we can't tell you it's just is what it is and I'm like, that is not an answer. <laughs> so the whole weekend ended up cost me like an additional 600 bucks or something like that to get to all the races, as well as buying tickets the day of at the gate, holding everybody up. It was insane. Yeah. You need to organize that a little bit better. Yeah. Or at least like one sentence in the email. I even brought up the email. I showed them and they're like, oh, well, it's supposed to say that. I'm like, well, it doesn't. <laughs> But that was kind Nailed of my rant, man. Oh, I was so mad. It, like I said, it was the first time I've ever set off my... I'm 
I'm a pretty even keel person, you know, like it takes a lot of shit to stack up to get me going, man. It's the first time since having smartwatches in general available to the general public that I've set off an abnormal heart rate detection from being mad. <laughs> At least everybody left alive. So that's, that's, Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought a couple of the other guys that were standing there with us, cause we, ended up going to like the promoter had their own little like not like a coach but it was like a trailer like had that all set up and they took us over there to try to get it all sorted out and like the other guys were just as mad man like if you're gonna do something cool like that like at least give us a heads up mm-hmm. you know like that would be excellent but besides that um the pits were open so I got to go wander around. Uh, my wife almost got hit by Christian Craig. <laughs> we didn't realize. It would have been a memorabilia piece right there. Check out this bruise from Christian Craig's bike. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like So we were walking down, and I, I had just stopped. And who was I talking to? One of the mechanics for Rocky Mountain. I was standing there talking to him. And then uh, like they were getting ready to bring the bikes in because it was right after practice or whatever. And I... I saw two star bikes go behind me and I wasn't even thinking about Craig being on the 450 for outdoors. And so like turned around and started walking. My wife's on my left. So she turned around and ended up like right through the bike path or whatever. And there was a huge puddle and you could tell he's like trying to avoid the puddle, but not hit my wife at the same time. So I had to like, Whoa, like we almost got it. He, he was cool like we walked by and i was like i was like what's up christian like have a great weekend he's like thanks buddy <laughs> like it was cool you know like that is Better the work. one nice thing about moto man is it, like it, it's not every sport that you can just walk by as soon as somebody gets off the track and and have an interaction with them mm-hmm. you know like i got to talk to uh Joe Shimoda this weekend too. Uh, he was lining up uh, with one of my buddies that was getting ready to go off for practice, and the A group was getting ready to go. And uh, I got to talk to him for a quick minute, just kind of sitting there in the staging area. It was, I mean, dude, he's that dude's awesome. He's quickly becoming my favorite 250 rider. Like he's sitting there trying to get a start device all ready to go to pull up to do practice starts and stuff. And I was just bullshitting with him and he had all the time in the world to talk to me, man. It was pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. And then it's, uh, I wish I had service up there cause I would have live streamed the whole thing. You know, like if my phone dies, it's whatever. That's, yeah. All I was doing was talking to you and Jesse the whole time anyway. And it very easily could have waited until I got back to the hotel. But <laughs> uh, being able to live stream stuff like that and and we were trying we were trying on my wife's phone my phone my work phone like the iphones worked better up there than the android phones for whatever reason they got like hmm. one extra bar of service to where you could actually send text messages out it was weird we need to get to get on that starlink um satellite wi-fi program at all these tracks now when that uh, stuff starts becoming available when I was at Loretta's last year, they had something like that, where if you were in the the VIP section or like the industry section, uh, you could connect to Wi-Fi that was set up specifically for that area, and it was mm-hmm. pretty nice. Um, of course, that was kind of 
before we started doing a lot of this stuff. Like I was mm-hmm. still just the guy in the comment section talking a lot of shit, you know? <laughs> um, and so like, there wasn't really any reason to, to live stream and stuff like that. So yeah. but it was like that for all the races down there, which was pretty nice. Well, this, that area has got a little bit more just internet availability in general. I don't know too much about yeah. Buchanan, Michigan, but I imagine it's one of those areas where just internet period is hard, much less. Yeah, it's pretty built up through there, like Niles, Buchanan, uh, South Bend, all those areas. I mean, South Bend is it's where Notre Dame is, man. So it's like there's quite a bit there, you know, and mm-hmm. both of the – it's just – kind of where the track is it's buchanan but it's kind of not you know like it's way out there so it's uh it's just kind of the way it is and then where we were staying at which was called the morris estate it was the same way man i mean you saw the pictures it was Mm -hmm. it's out in the middle of nowhere i loved it get four days of almost no cell phones no internet no tv stuff like that just kind of being a human <laughs> running around, but it made a uh, getting stuff done and talking to you guys to get everything set up a little weird. But yeah, I can feel that. Just having to be back today after being gone to the the beach for a week, be back today, like being able to just sit so immersed in the computer all day. I kind of forgot what that last week it was. It was nice to be able to just walk away from stuff. Oh yeah, plus it was Red Bud weekend, man. But and yeah. them Yamaha boys destroyed LaRocco's leap all day. They killed all it. Day. Oh yeah. That's uh I don't know. Let's let's jump into two fifties, man. I don't have any of the uh caption drops done for two fifties and stuff. So let's I, see. So what do you wanna maybe wanna I can start do with this? Overalls? Yeah, yeah, we can. Oh, okay. I am. Oh, you're trying to pull it? Yeah. Pull it just on the screen. F2. See, they give us all these fancies, man. I got to. I got I to gotta play with stuff. <laughs> there we go. All right. Hopefully, you guys can see this. Um, is if it coming not. up? Yeah, you can. Yeah, it's it's there, but it's a little small. But we'll read it off anyways. Um, so for our overalls, let me turn chat got... off real quick. Might get bigger. That's a little bigger. A little bit. So for our two fifty overalls, we got R.J. Hampshire in first place with a two two for the weekend. Justin Cooper finishing in second place overall with a four one. Jet Lawrence finishing with a 1-6 for third overall. Hunter Lawrence with a 3-4 for fourth overall. And the broken man, Jeremy Martin, with a 5-3 was overall. He was impressive to watch, especially coming through the rollers and then the leap and then up into the uh, start-finish. He had such an aggressive posture going through there compared to some of the other guys, even in the rest of the top five. Like he was feeling it. I don't know how his how his injuries were. And that's um, amazing, considering um, 
I mean, we'll get into it, but it's just amazing considering, you know, the, the idea of generally how you ride when you're hurt. Yeah. Is not usually the best form. And for him to be able to ride like he did with the injuries he had is. Oh, yeah. It was, uh, <laughs> he, like I said, he was in attack position quite a lot of it, you know. And then, uh, old Joe Shimoda, um, he had. Yeah decent starts he's just i don't know those top five guys are fast so yeah i mean if he started ninth seventh and he moved up to finish sixth and fifth in both motos that's just a matter of you know he moved up three and two positions but there were just five other guys you know five or six or five and four respectively other guys in front of him each moto that he just didn't get to catch because he didn't start in front of them. Oh yeah. Um, and there weren't that many guys in that. Well, there's just not that many guys in that class period. that can kind of catch that many people and pass them. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, yeah, he did, he did good. Um, and then right behind Joe, we have like the who's who of the freshman and sophomore class. We got Pierce mm-hmm. Brown, Styles Robertson, Old Maximus, Jalik, uh, Marchbanks, who kind of doesn't fit that, but then Kitchen and Thrasher right behind them. Levi Kitchen, I don't know if you're familiar with who Levi Kitchen is, except for maybe what they said on the broadcast, which I didn't watch. But he was a uh, definitely a top prospect coming out of pro sport. Mm-hmm. Um, for the last couple of years, um, held off on going pro for a little bit. And then just made his debut this weekend. But he's uh, watching him come up through the amateur ranks. That kid is good. And then uh, hopefully he can carry this momentum uh, on throughout the rest of the races that he's going to be running. Yeah, I haven't heard which ones he's going to run. I think this is the last one he's going to run until Loretta's. I mean, it might be. Just do one race and then wait. Yeah. Which is kind of which kind of makes you wonder, you know, if that had something to do with his Moto Two performance not being that hot. Because I don't think they talked about it on the broadcast about why he went from fifteenth to nineteenth versus fourteenth up to ninth in the first one. But yeah, I mean, there was definitely a lot of talk about how's he going to do? Is he going to go out there do okay the first Moto and then the second Moto be like, okay, yeah, I did all right, and just kind of slow down, you know? Yeah, just to see what he was running running with, or I guess it you know would have just depended on. It could have been entirely different if he would have been able to get a top five start. Maybe he would have said, "Screw it, you know, I'm going to see if I can run with these guys." Um, yeah, there's a there's a whole lot of potential if factors for a guy that's never raced a pro national that doesn't need to finish the pro national. You know how he's going to do and what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's yeah. I think the the two crazy guy or crazy three crazy names to see in the top twenty one positions are Austin Fortner with the sixteenth overall, Colton Nichols with the seventeenth overall, and Michael Mosman with the twenty first overall. So um, Nichols had a mechanical, I think, in the yeah, second. Yeah, he didn't one. even. So that would have been the hurt. first moto because he was credited with or in the at the first lap of the second moto because um, he was credited with a 40th 
Yeah. For the start position in Moto 2. Um, yeah, I didn't catch what happened. Moseman surprises me. And yeah, he Forkner, just went down both times or two yeah. times. And he couldn't he made up some he made up some spots in Moto 2, but just not enough to cover um Fortner did not look comfortable all day. Well, I imagine like after, watching him come around. He was the one of the first people, one of the first pros in 250s just really cased leap, wasn't he? Or were you there at that point? Uh, I was probably running around out back, man. Um, I didn't watch a lot of the practices. I watched some parts of some of them, but uh, I didn't like sit there and watch it. I didn't see any 250 guys hit the leap um, that stand out to me. Yeah, he was. I think he I, was early in the morning, but way before it was even on TV when. Um, Somebody on one of the Discord servers who was there watching it said that Fortner just just cased it. Um, I feel like I, first thing yeah, in the morning. I don't know. I was there. I just don't remember hearing anything about it. I was running around out in Privateer Island, man. So I wasn't like I wasn't around a lot of a lot of the the pro guys. Um, when they were coming in and out of practice, but except to show my wife, some of the bikes and haulers and stuff like that. But I had more fun hanging out in privateer Island. Oh yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame you if I was, if I was there doing, doing what you were doing, I'd, I'd be hanging out with the guys and watch practice again later. Um, but that's uh round four out of 12 are two fifty points. Got a, uh, the old Let's donut see. man himself. At 172. Jetson. Yeah. We got uh, Justin Cooper this weekend. Um, made up man. three or four points on him. Yeah. With his starts, though, man, it was for whatever reason, he just, it didn't look like he was carrying as much speed through the front side of the track. Um, the side opposite of the hill with the rollers and the leap. Um, mm hmm for whatever reason, it just didn't look like he was carrying as much speed as some of these other guys later in the races. Um, and I don't know, I couldn't see that side of the track very well um, from where I chose to kind of hang out at, but it's, uh, it, that's what it looked like to me is he was just losing too much speed going through there and he's got his starts dialed. I mean, he's got more hole shots than anybody else in the class combined almost. So yeah. it's well, he uh, was, yeah, he had it. I think his case this weekend was, I mean, we saw it in the first moto. He went down on the finish line. Yeah. At the first, first lap after the first lap, technically. Um, and he went down to fourth or seventh and then made it back up to fourth by lap three when he crossed the line for lap three and then just stayed there. Stayed there's no discredit to him because you don't just stay in fourth place in this class. Um, it's just yeah. that by the time he went from seventh to fourth, those other guys were gone, you know. Oh, yeah, and it just would have been too hard. And who knows, you know, maybe that just rattled him and he just didn't have what he what he needed to do. And I want to say, I, 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 I missed it when I watched it again this afternoon. I want to say he went down. One time 
again in the second moto, but he just didn't lose a position. But I might be thinking about RJ. RJ went down a couple up, times. Going down, getting back up. Going yeah. down, getting back up. Um, and then, but that, but Cooper did that in the second moto, though, if I'm yeah. not mistaken, um, where he'd go down, get back up. Um, I don't know, but this class is quickly becoming a two-person shootout. Yeah, there's. I mean, something would have to happen to one of those two for it not to turn into one of the uh, you know battle from them because I mean, over the course of the over the course for it to end up where it is with them you know they've both kind of traded off a a fourth and a sixth and a fifth and a fourth here and there yeah. um but it, the rest of the results are ones twos and threes and oh yeah somebody else is going to have to the one of them is going to have to have a really really bad race for it to open back up to Hunter or RJ or get knocked out for the um, the next how many what is that one two three I don't know, 12, 12 to fourteen motos you know yeah. for them to um, not be there so that's yeah. gonna maybe get kind of boring but these motos are not boring the second two fifty moto was pretty boring man. Not gonna lie, a lot of people went and got drinks and food <laughs> after oh, really? halfway through it. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, once those guys got spread out about two, three seconds throughout the top five, it got uh, like each one of them was two or three seconds behind the next guy, so it was uh, it got a little boring watching, at least mm-hmm. there, you know. Um, they might have just done a better job on the broadcast, making it seem a little bit interesting. Yeah, there were some great battles. Uh, don't get me wrong, but it was uh, not a hundred percent what I was hoping for after the first one, and especially mm-hmm. after watching. So you had a great two hundred and fifty Moto One with RJ and Jet going back and forth, and then you had a great four hundred and fifty, and then the second two hundred and fifty, everyone was super stoked, and it just kind of didn't happen that way. But the second four hundred and fifty was on fire. So it made up for it <laughs> in my mind. But um, oh, and Moto One, I I haven't looked it up yet. But uh, since you were there, do you know what happened to Harlan? Why he only finished six laps? Did was it a bike malfunction or did he get hurt? I didn't see it happen on the other side of the track. Mm. So I just remember seeing him come by, seeing him come by, seeing him come by, and then not ever seeing him again. So uh, I didn't know if you heard while you were there. Um, no, I'll have to look into that and see. Yeah, I didn't hear anything. Uh, who Let's else was that. it? There was a couple. Uh, well, Marv broke down right in front of me. I heard that one. I, I was telling you, I pissed yeah, off the KTM uh, guys. Front wheel. Is that what it was? Wheel, I didn't see what it was. Wheel. Yeah, a wheel I just issue. saw him. I just saw him come up, rev the shit out of it, and then just stopped. Didn't move. So that's uh. Of course, I was telling you I pissed off the KTM guys by telling them he should have showed up with a Yamaha to finish the race. And uh, some guys took offense to that, apparently. Everyone else thought it was funny. So I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry to you two. uh, You two uh, wear a 
Chinese made KTM factory racing pit shirt to a <laughs> pro moto. They got mad at some guy yelling about Yamaha. My bad. Uh, I am sorry. Life funny. will go on. It'll go on. Right. Um, let's see. Oh, then um, they didn't show him too much on the broadcast, but one of the, the big ifs for this weekend was Jalik. Was he going to do something semi-spectacular? I mean, I don't think anybody really expected him to get an overall again. But It wasn't bad, man. Um, is that just where, you know, 10th in this class really isn't that bad? But it still kind of hurts considering he just got an overall last weekend? I don't think it hurts with the overall last weekend at all. I mean, 10th place is about where you would expect him, especially when you look at the company from 7th through... 15th um Mm -hmm. i mean that is all right in his basically what i would call graduating class from amateurs um they're all within a year or two up and down of each other you know um so it's like where do you want them to be at especially in a in a long fast track like that uh, well, I think outside of his overall last weekend, that's about where I would expect him to. Yeah, I think it was more of it was more of a. Do you consider last week a fluke, or you know maybe whatever they thought they found last week at that at that track for him and his feeling, or for the bike, just something that just really worked at that track that he couldn't relate, but then. You've got RJ, who was clearly doing well last week, minus the chain, or at the last race. And then he also does well this weekend, but Jaleek's not there. You know, what was it? Obviously, the Huskies did well that weekend. Yeah. But the 250 Huskies weren't there this weekend. Maybe it was just RJ able to do that extra little bit that the bike couldn't make up for if it was a bike feeling thing. Well, I think some of it has to do with red bud does have kind of like a Sandy ish consistency. At least Mm -hmm. it did this weekend. And if you look at where RJ rides and trains, it does kind of, and grew up riding. I think that covers quite a bit of that where he might be a little bit more used to that Sandy like loam type track. Um, plus you have to figure how long has RJ been running a, a two fifty? you know, it's, it's been quite a while that he's been in the class. So I expect RJ to be in the top five almost every weekend. Whereas mm-hmm. Jalik, I'm just happy to see him in the top 12. Yeah. You know? So I, I can't take anything away from him last weekend. But even he said, like on the pulp show and on the broadcast, when they're like, "What, what happened that changed from like an eighth or ninth overall the time before to an overall?" And he's like, "I have no idea, you know." So that that should have told you not to set your hopes super high. Um, mm-hmm. That it just clicked last weekend for him. And I mean, even a blind squirrel gets a nut every once in a while, man. So, it's, oh yeah, uh, I mean. It's good on him. Now he knows what it feels like. He got the first one out of the way. Um, now he can he can just focus on 
getting top fives every weekend and then top threes. And then he'll be, I, I fully expect him to win probably an outdoor in his 250 career in the next maybe three, four years. You know, mm-hmm. I, I expect him to be a champ to be running that red plate. He's good outside, man. So indoors is still kind of, eh. you know, he's yeah. not bad, but he's not like, oh my gosh, like watch Delete go through here, you know. It, it, but outdoors, that kid's got skills, man. Um, yeah, in the next two or three years, we're hopefully going to be doing a broadcast and we'll be like, you remember when we were talking about his first overall, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And we'll be like, yeah. But I think uh, between him and Styles, they're going to be, they're definitely going to be battling uh, for championships here in the next couple of years, man. Um, it should be exciting for sure. Yeah. He's got to remember he's a young guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was just, the, it was a, you know, a curious thing I was thinking about of kind of what's a, what's the way to look at it um yeah for that yeah definitely at the end of the day definitely can't take anything away from him for getting overall and then not this weekend but i think too part of it might be when you're pointing out the track i think this this track and the leap but not just the leap um this is one of those things where if you had a guy like rj or or justin that could that could manage the leap and do that that's just a huge – I think there was a big differentiator between those those top four or five guys this weekend and everybody else Yeah, because well, of that reason. The thing with the leap that makes it so hard that you really need a bike that comes out of the hole super hard and cojones mm-hmm. to ride it like that um, is they keep moving that turn coming up to the, the face of the jump. They keep moving it closer to the face as the bikes get faster. So it's not, I mean, if it was the same track layout from like five or six years ago, all the 250 guys would be hitting it, mm-hmm. you know, instead they're like third gear spun out on the factory 450s trying to hit it, mm-hmm. you know? So, and that's not a very like long run to really dig in and get momentum to clear that. So I can't really blame too many of the 250 guys for not wanting to. Oh yeah. It's a, old, it's a life uh prolonging decision or (laughs) championship you know a season prolonging decision you know for this race to um i imagine if it were the last race of the season a few more of them would have been trying it been like it's totally worth it but four rounds in yeah Yeah. not worth it um yeah so maybe yeah man maybe it's just funny you know seeing last week him and it's just one of those things I think is going to be interesting to watch next weekend too, because you know, Jalik's been riding, he's from Florida. He's been riding down there at Florida. Um, so the sand stuff shouldn't be that big of a thing for him, but it might've just been the difference this weekend where RJ said, screw it. I'm sending it. And Jalik's like, "Mm, I'm not. Yeah. (laughs) I don't need to, I don't need to this weekend. And, and, and maybe, um, when it comes to Southwick, we might, might see something come back from him. Um, yeah. I think it'll be, be interesting to watch. You still have to remember how long RJ's been riding that bike with the same team and and just running the 250 series in general, especially mm-hmm. compared to, to Jalik, who I don't think... I can't remember what bike he was running in amateurs, but I'm pretty sure that it wasn't a Husky. 
I don't think it was. I can't remember right off the top of my head, though. I don't remember either. But it's uh, Michael said that he saw on Twitter Harlan got a hole in a cover, which makes sense. There was actually a lot of broken cases that week or this past weekend. Yeah, that, tra- that track was not nice on equipment. <laughs> yeah, that one will uh, that'll mess with some people for sure. Oh yeah, getting it pumped in there. Um, uh, let's see, two fifty. Let's see. Yeah, I think this is just an interesting track for a lot of different people um, for being able to send it and you know getting some different results. Um, oh, I know one thing. Did you? hear happened to hear exactly what happened to russell i know on the broadcast they showed somebody casing a or somebody's bike locking up and coming off a jump midair and they thought it was uh russell when they were talking about it but i don't think it ended up being russell um but i don't i honestly haven't heard exactly why he didn't um finish so hot this weekend well you have to remember with well he didn't finish hot last weekend either but well, he finished way better than he did this weekend. Yeah. He, uh, so he looked good and everything. Bike sounded all right when he was coming by, but he's also still, I think his jaw is still partially wired shut. Mm-hmm. So, and that track was extremely rough. I don't know if you could tell from the broadcast, but a lot of guys that I were talking to were saying that the track was more rough than what it typically is year to year. So I wonder if maybe, I mean, if you're in pain, your fatigue levels are going to go up a lot faster than if you're not, you know. So I wonder if maybe that had something to do with it. Maybe he just wasn't feeling it. Yeah, but he didn't He didn't look uncomfortable, but he didn't look comfortable, if that makes sense. You know, yeah. like you could tell he was still trying to attack the track and attack whoever was in front of him, but... It, it something just looked off, especially watching Caleb run in the woods for the past 10 years. Um, seeing him at least one weekend a month through most of the months of the year, uh, following GNCC, like I do, you could definitely tell it wasn't the Caleb Russell that I know Caleb Russell is, you know. Oh, so he actually just put up an update 26 minutes ago. Um, Crashed in Moto 1, re-aggravated some existing injuries. Moto 2 came from near last, um, up to 20s, only to run over his own ankle and cause further damage to his injuries. So, yeah, he just... Oh, uh, yeah. Just had a... Just, just had a shit weekend, man. Literally beat himself up, and yeah, like yeah. I said, yeah, the injuries wasn't doing himself any favors. There um, was guys that were running around in the pits they were actually saying the braking bumps going into most of the turns were so big they were doubling them going into the turns they were like it was easier to seat bounce the braking bumps to jump into a turn than it was to try to get through the braking bumps (laughs) oh damn (laughs) yeah (laughs) and that was through practice uh where most of the big ones were were on the other side of the track so i didn't i didn't see them uh during the main motos or whatever yeah but when they were talking about it man it was i was like what like that's insane that's just crazy that's rough that's rough. yeah i guess it's just one of the you know one of the that's something that you're gonna end up with when it's not super ruddy um yeah 
and you know really single lined through the through the track which um we talk about uh, we could talk about with some of the 450 stuff because those 450 guys were using up well All even of some it. of the 250 guys there were plenty of corners where jet when he was on a roll you could see him just flying from outside inside to outside on some of those corners just come oh, yeah. all the way to the outside using up the whole corner just carrying that speed and it was so oh yeah I don't, that's the know, way i don't like talking about jet a lot but he looked yeah, really do. good right oh, yeah. on on that track this weekend when he was flying oh yeah let me uh let me throw this up real quick window time Bam. Get rid of this little guy and zoom in. Our uh, 450s. So let's see. The 450 overall results for Red Bud. First place, Mr. Dylan Ferrandis with a 1-2 for the weekend. Second place, where'd he come from? Eli Tomac with a 4-1. Moto finishes, and then ooh, Mr. AP, Redbud Embracer himself, with a 3-3 for the weekend, a third place overall. Whole shot, which we'll talk about, I'm sure. And both Whole photos. shot, whole shot. Yeah. yeah. And then fourth place overall with uh, second and first moto, sixth and second moto is Mr. Ken Roxon. And fifth overall. Christian Craig with a five-five um, in fifth place, and then yeah, honorable mention Chase Sexton because we'll end up talking about him. But with a eight-four, he finished sixth overall for the weekend. I think my honorable mention has to go to old Brandon Hartramp. Well, I was overall. definitely going to bring him up. Um, Man, he looked good this weekend, an eleven-thirteen, but. It, being on a yellow bike and beating out your uh what is supposed to be the team's number one guy uh with max max he, had uh, a shit weekend i can't wait to hear what if he talks about it because apparently he did not he was not excited this weekend and he's not one to turn down interviews but he turned down some interviews um, yeah from what but i heard this weekend he it, Brandon was attacking people though. Like, well, even if yeah, even if Max would have finished in eighth, the fact that Brandon finished tenth, oh yeah, is good. I mean, his posters, interviews. I mean, you could hear the weekends, Supercross, anything. When he's had a good weekend, you can hear him just be excited. Um, oh yeah, you know, goofy excited, and he was he was pumped for it. Um, I've got an interview pulled up for him right now that I haven't watched yet. Uh, afterwards that I'm excited to listen to because I want you know, I want to see it, but that's one where, you know, Julie getting an overall 10th this weekend. It is what it is. I don't want this to be Brandon getting a random 10th and then not because I, I don't like how he handles bad performances. Um, you can hear it. You can hear other people talk about it. His teammates, his friends, um, when he's not doing great, he's not doing great. Um, oh, and yeah. I want to see him be able to keep up at least 20 plus, um, results, you know, and he's, he's been right there at it. Cause last, uh, on the two fifties last year, he was, 
I think we talked about it in the preview stuff. You know, I wanted to see what he was going to do because last year in the 250s, he was doing really well. He had top five finishes a few times. And um, for him to kind of be running high 20s so far this year is a little meh. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's um, another one that I wanted to point out with old Justin Rodbell, man. That, Summer Rodbell has started. Yeah. That uh I don't know where he came from in that that first moto, but holy cow. He was uh he was giving it everything that it had. Absolutely What's amazing everything. Is, well, he had he he was up twelve positions uh from thirty ninth to seventeenth in that one, and he still yeah. did not win our drive of the race that we'll talk about. Thirty nine to seventeen, I think is more than twelve, man. Twenty two. Yeah. Still didn't win it. <laughs> 22. I forgot 10 digits somewhere. Yeah. That's, uh, but yeah, that's, um, I mean, and then 20th to 16th too. Anytime that you get past like a, a top 15, I would say start and you got to battle back to at least get around there, uh, to stay in the points, man, is, is, is a good one. And then uh, there was also this guy down here in 39th position who I don't think anybody would recognize his name. Uh, Old Gerald Lorenz III from Morris, Michigan. So this guy went out in the first practice for 450B, set his fast lap, came around again to try to do better on his fast lap, and cased Larocco's leap so hard that it actually split both cases. And he couldn't get a, another 450 case from anybody. Nobody had an extra one. And they had an extra 250 motor. So he actually got his 250 out and raced his 250 in the second moto um, for the 450 race. And he didn't come in last. <laughs> which is yeah um he uh he gave it hell man and that's uh he was actually pitted right next to one of my buddies eddie morris who was uh up there this weekend um and it, i mean this kid was almost in tears when he found out that they couldn't find another 450 case dude and if like if they did find it i don't know if they would have had enough time to rebuild it you know, like literally have to rebuild a whole motor in the back of your van, um, in between second practice or the practices and like the last chance qualifier or whatever. But he qualified into the show from his first practice time, which That's I thought nice. was, yeah, which I thought was amazing, you know, and then to go out there and know that you're going to be outmatched on, on power and everything. And still, I mean, he gave it everything he had to keep up with that two fifty which nuts. yeah like hats off to that kid man and and everyone that was pitted with him to you know keep him propped up and and ready to go you know despite the david versus goliath basically you know yeah so hats off to them guys and that's just watching them try to figure it all out and run around talking to everybody man i felt so bad i was like i got a bunch of sprockets and chains in my bag but i don't have any yamaha 450 cases in my book bag um 
I, I wish I could help. Didn't bring that suitcase. <laughs> yeah, not this time. But it's uh, other than that, um, Ferrandis was untouchable. It just, it, I, they got to figure, they got to figure him out, man. Um, so he was one of the only ones that consistently was jumping Larocco's leap. And I think it made the absolute world of difference. You could definitely see when they were uh, going through and, and jumping it and all that, who, so the second moto was a prime example with Tomac. Tomac never jumped the leap all weekend that I know of. So it's, uh, and watching both Ferrandez and Plessinger chase him down through that section of the track only, um, which is where they made up the majority of their time from what I could tell by my old, uh, my old eyeball segment time mm-hmm. was, uh, it, it had to have been like close to quarter second for most of them with like a, a light case. And then with Ferrandez just absolutely making Larocco's leap, his bitch this weekend was gaining. It had to have been close to like third or a fourth on those guys man like he was absolutely destroying that thing it was awesome to watch and it was great to see kenny fuck like bring the old uh the brass balls to really battle and try to jump that jump as much as he could um and he had that one real hard case and then he was kind of done with it but that had to have hurt especially having existing wrist and shoulder injuries to case that hard mm-hmm. that had to have taken the wind right out of his sails. Well, I think they, but, they were talking, they made a point of that. Um, for, I think there was one time where even they mentioned it for uh, Jeremy Martin too, was that they were, you know, if there was a time where it was going to look like that was going to mess you up, it would have been that. And the fact that he did it and then just kept, kept going oh so like, yeah okay maybe this isn't gonna be uh as much of a issue yeah as we thought it was gonna be you know yeah and that's jesse did bring up a good point too um ferrandis with rollers like you're not gonna touch them on them you know like the way that dude can keep the back of his bike planted on the ground going through the rollers and just ride it like a like a sawhorse basically is absolutely insane and he was carrying enough speed from pumping through all those rollers to double the last set oh yeah i saw him do that so many times it was so awesome and one one of the big things you could see for him in the rollers was especially right there at the end of the second moto where he and ap were in the rollers at the same time and you could see just how much cleaner like we've oh, talked yeah. about, Ferrandis in the rollers, just keeping the rear wheel down, just standing up over and over and over again. Oh, yeah. Even when he wasn't doubling that last section of the rollers, just seeing him just keep the rear wheel down and go over, over, and over. And AP had a much dirtier line that was somehow still semi close to the same speed, but not as oh, yeah. not as smooth. Um, yeah, to see it side by side is is when you could just see really how much better it was. Oh yeah, and it was. I mean. Watch him at Iron Man at the rollers before Godzilla. If you want to see something like spectacular with a good view, because it's he's going across the track, not at you. And to watch him go through those and the back wheel never leave the ground and his body never change elevation with the bike mm-hmm. is absolutely insane. Like 
it, I can't even explain it. It's poetry in motion, basically. But it's uh, the rest of the guys in that field 100% have to figure out how to keep up with Fernandez in the last 15 minutes of those motos. He's just, he just hangs out, you know, stays within striking distance, waits for that, you know, 10, 15 minutes left, and then drops the hammer on these boys. And they got to, somebody has to have an answer for him. But the last half of the motos is, it, it's obscene how fat, how much faster he seems, especially being at the tracks, like how much faster he seems in the last half of the motos. And I don't think anybody has an answer for him. He's almost like Tomac from a couple of years back, man, just hanging out, waiting, waiting, waiting. Oh, halfway done. Let's charge. Nobody's mm-hmm. going to touch him. You know, well, yeah, not even just halfway, just the fact the whole time he did it. Cause that first moto, he went from sixth on the first lap to first. Yeah. And, you know, that's not just six positions. That's the top six positions. Oh, yeah. That he charged through. And and it, it's, you can't even say, oh, well, it was some other six guys that were up there this weekend. No, that was that was the top of the class that he just charged his way through. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it was – did you did you get to see while you were there at the track um, his – his interview after qualifying when he uh, set the top qualifying on a blank on whatever they technically call it now, but when they brought him up to the podium for his fastest uh, time. Uh, you could tell it was Ferrandez, but I couldn't hear or really understand what he was saying. Dude, Cause there was just... bikes starting around me and people yelling and I couldn't hear everything. He just, Literally said, holy cow, this track is perfect. I love it. And just went on. To, and as soon as he said that, you knew, like, okay, this uh, is this is, uh, this is it. This is over. It's with. over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He just, he literally said, like, this is a perfect track. I love, you know, I love the way it is, you know, riding it. Um, and, I mean, even just sitting there watching it and seeing him murder the top time in yeah. that session. Whew. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he can't. They can't keep letting him do this. (laughs) No. And that's the thing, though. Like, the next race, next weekend or whatever, really watch, though, because he'll hang out. If it's been like it has been for the last couple motos, uh, not just this weekend, but, like, the last overall uh, motos, really watch, because he'll hang out top three, top four, and then as soon as it's halfway done, that's when you're going to start seeing him really start adding pressure. And that's even on the first moto when he went from six to one, I think he hung out in third third place, just working on AP for quite a number of laps. And then uh, at the same time, he was he started working on Roxon. And it was really entertaining to see. It took him a lot longer to get around AP than it did Roxon, it felt like. But... That was, he didn't start really pushing hard until uh, on those guys until he knew that he had the fitness advantage. I felt like, yeah, it, it was. I mean, I don't have 
any real solid words to describe just how nuts it was. Um, just how fast he went. Uh, I do know in Moto2, I was pulling it up. One of the things that surprised me was I want to make sure I've got the right battles too that I'm talking on. I'm not getting my Moto1 and Moto2 stats mixed up. Yeah. Last lap of the race, Moto2, Tomac and Ferrandis set their fastest times of Moto2 last lap. Oh, you could tell that as soon as AP started putting pressure on Tomac, you could see them both ramp it up. And then once Ferrandis came in and showed a fender and he got, and Tomac realized that Ferrandis was in between him and AP, you saw the pace pick up mm-hmm. and you could see, you could still see Ferrandis. I mean, if it was one more lap left, I think Ferrandis probably would have got him. I mean, he closed up a gap quick and he like another one where he just didn't seem tired when it was done. He was like, Oh, it's a good race. You know, like I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go get ready for the next one now. Bye. You know? Yeah. They just, I mean, they, they dropped. Tomac dropped over two seconds from lap 15 to 16, which is the last lap. Um, yeah. And Frandis was already going faster, much faster um, on lap 14 and 15 than Tomac was, uh, oh, yeah. but he dropped another second and a half. Um, yeah. And you could see it on the track too. Like there was, it, there was nothing left of that track that they didn't take with them. It was insane. It was awesome to watch. And it was, you could tell that Tomac knew it, it wasn't his race, you know, like it, he was not guaranteed to win at all. When you see that white and blue 14 pull up behind you, you mm-hmm. know, you better find that extra gear and give it all the juice that your bike has because he's going to do it. You know, he's there's he's the only one in this field right now that I think has that eat the old ET three outdoor fitness and power on that bike. He's the only one I think they can, they can mount a comeback like that. And he almost had them too. When they came by me on that last lap, it, they were almost fender to fender. It was insane. And I think the biggest factor in, in watching how fast he was though, was him uh, hitting the leap clean so many times, time after time, after time. Repeatable. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it made such a big difference. And it was crazy that he was the only one. Well, AP, when he did like the sky wheelie, he basically did a kiss of death. Mm -hmm. When he would send it like that, he would clear it. But when he would just try to jump and get ready to attack going into that next turn, he would case it a little bit or bounce out. But Ferrandez didn't give a shit about that next turn, man. (laughs) His whole goal was to land clean on the backside and then worry about the turn. And that's kind of... I think that's what made the race for him, man. It's just that mentality. The dude's a bulldog, man. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see these next three races in a row. I mean, clearly, Francis's, you know, program of I, I want nothing to do with anything other than racing dirt bikes is doing really well for him. Yeah. 
but it'll be interesting to see. I've got no reason to believe his fitness won't hold up, but to see if his fitness is just that it stays here while everybody else might kind of go down a half percentage each race over the next three as it's getting hotter. And then just four, you know, four weekends in a row, whereas maybe Frandis is like, I'm not guys. I I can do this in my sleep. No worries. Um, And see, you know, see what this, the, the rest of these three races look like with him putting out a performance like that on this first one. And I mean, we have the old attack dog AP man coming out of nowhere. Nobody was ready for him this weekend. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. No, that, <laughs> that was amazing. Uh, two whole shots. And, and that's even if, even with a three, three, I mean, that's just proof. You got to start up front to finish up front. Oh yeah, he yeah he held off everybody else except for two guys that were just clearly faster than everybody else this weekend, and that's not a bad program to be on. Oh yeah, and that's and it. I don't know. I think if Roxon didn't tuck the front wheel on that second moto, we would have saw a really good battle between him and. Aaron again in the second moto. Um, it looked like they were really gearing up to to go to battle, but with Roxon kind of dumping it like that, it definitely gave AP time to start attacking Tomac a little harder as well, which turned mm-hmm. out to be a really good race also. So, but there was a lot of people that were mad that Tomac wasn't hitting the lead because they could see AP and Ferrandis, uh, Roxon, they were all at least. Roxon was giving it what he could, but he came up short uh, quite a few times. But AP and Ferrandis were so much faster than Tomac going through there, like noticeably faster going through there. And people were getting pissed at Tomac that he was going to throw it away because he wasn't hitting the leap, mm-hmm. which I, I kind of found that ironic because usually Tomac is he's not afraid to be the fastest guy on the track without yeah. a benefit of a doubt, you know. But I think that's just I mean it's it's fun from a trackside fan perspective to give him some shit for doing that, right? But I yeah. I think if anything that's clearly a sign of obviously he wasn't feeling it or didn't have it something the first five motos, right? And yeah. then so maybe he's just still not 100% confident in his bike and then B that's Daddy Tomac, to me, of if I'm not 110% confident that I'm going to nail one of the craziest obstacles in the outdoors, that I'm not even going to try to send it every lap when it doesn't matter yeah. at this point, you know. And he's he not going to win the championship because he, he's not going to lose the championship because he didn't do Larocco's leap this weekend. Yeah, he's going to lose it because Ferrandez is a beast. That's yeah. why he's going to lose it. Yeah, that's my but point. Yeah, a- yeah. He's, he's, he's already, you know, effectively lost the championship. And it's not every, if it comes down to he needed one more, you know, two more positions that he could have gained from Redbud this weekend, then. Yeah, but you somebody, can probably look at every some, race throughout the whole schedule and be like, he could have got a position here if he would have hit this. Well, that's what I'm saying. You yeah, know? it's going to come down to that. Like the chances <laughs> of it coming down to being two positions that he didn't get because he didn't nail the Rocco's leap. Yeah, somebody call me a retard. You know, in a in a few months. Um, yeah, but that's not that's just not going to be what happened. And so I think that was him saying, 
I don't need to do this. I'm not, not going to. He was the fastest guy, hands down, that didn't hit the leap. Also, yeah, all the other fast times were guys hitting leaps. He was the only one that didn't make it his mission to clear the leap as often as he could. And he was still fast. And that's the thing. Like, that's him still at the same time, also like hanging his balls over the bar pad, being like, I didn't need to. Yeah. Very true. I don't know really what happened on the on the uh the first one. I'm not a hundred percent certain. He just kind of stalled out in fourth place, but I think what happened was Ferrandez AP and Roxon kind of I think they put enough of a gap while he was trying to battle back that it uh or battling with I can't even remember who he was battling with. Oh, he was going back and forth with like Craig and Sexton and stuff like that. He was he was kind of battling with those guys for a little bit. And then I think I saw I think I remember Barsha being up like right next to him too. And I was like, oh man, this might be a decent one. But I can't a hundred percent remember. But it was uh he got stuck in a couple battles for for hit his spot, like fourth, fifth position that kind of let the other three walk away from him at that point. Cause it looked like the, the top three in moto one weren't really battling until maybe the last seven, eight minutes, you know, and then it got, mm-hmm. it got crazy, but they were looked like they were more worried about just putting a gap on everybody so that they could go to battle. But, and then that it's also Craig, like where'd Craig come from? Yeah. I mean, the- <laughs> you know? I don't know. I was expecting him to do better. I remember um, who was it? It was talking about um, Paravinos, maybe. Somebody was talking about how they were texting with Craig and he was just saying he was just pissed that he was getting 10th. He was like, I'm I'm better than this. Like, I'm, oh, I'm yeah. tired of getting 10th. And you hear a guy say they're tired of getting 10th. Like, okay, oh, yeah. Probably a pretty good reason to expect that. I didn't <laughs> think he was going to go 5-5. Five, five. I expected yeah. him to go eight eight maybe, you know, but five five, yeah. He, Dude, and he maybe that's, that was one of those things with, was he clearing the the leap? I don't remember seeing him much on the broadcast, if any really I think he did uh when he was like battling, battling with uh some of the guys around him. Yeah. He definitely he wasn't shy about hitting it. Um so maybe he had the Yamaha advantage this weekend and was just using that. Because like we were talking about 250s and we were talking before the show, I think this was a weekend where some of the guys ending up where they were is because of that being a huge advantage for certain people over other guys. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think the Yamaha 450 has as much advantage um, over some of the other ones. No, not but, as much, but... Yeah. I mean, it's, definitely, figure. it's got something. Is it there is a lot of Yamahas in the top five though? Like the whole team is in the top five. Yeah, all three of them. Kawasaki's and Hondas. The Hondas actually looked real good this weekend as well. Um the I don't know what was up with the KTMs. I I haven't ridden them enough to really know if maybe they just like they have a higher over rev. Um and that being a longer track, maybe that had something to do with it, but I don't know. I know Cooper, maybe the last like three minutes, the last 
lap, maybe three laps, he looks so tired on both motos. Like his riding position was affected. It looked like he was so tired. So I don't know kind of what was going on there. He still finished good because he was battling through the whole beginning parts of the motos, but it's uh, it definitely didn't look like it didn't look like Cooper, you know, coming yeah. in in the last parts of the race. And the, you can't blame the weather. The weather was beautiful. Um, that's, I think, Michael was there. I was there. I had a couple other buddies that were there. I mean, it was great. It was definitely T-shirt and shorts weather, but it wasn't like, oh, my God, I got to find shade style mm-hmm. where it's been like that in the past, and we're getting ready to get into that again. You know, so I can't, I can't 100% blame the weather. But, yeah, he yeah, just he- looked. He was, he, he was just, up there in first, that one moto. Um, I think it may be a, uh, I don't know, something about just not having moto time um, with Supercross being the focus. And then, too, I heard um, on uh, the Moto 60 show, Kiefer was saying that he, it looked like that he saw some photos where that Webb was trying some different uh, triple clamps uh this weekend and was thinking that maybe he'd do better you know because maybe they were testing a new part and maybe they liked it um but it it could definitely be a just kind of chasing setting stuff which i think is kind of interesting um and i think part of the argument when they were talking about that was that you know clearly ktm had some settings last year that worked because marv was doing so well and the fact that neither one of them are doing well let's not put marv and webb in the same category as far as outdoors um i i don't think that's very fair to either one of them you know i mean marv is he's great outdoors mm-hmm. um he, he had bad luck in the first one where i think you're the one that told me that he broke a front wheel or something yeah you know wheel issue so it's i mean but it, it, if it comes down to those two marv versus web outdoors i'm taking marv Hundred percent of the time. Oh, I am too. But that's what I'm saying. The fact that neither one of them, you know, it's like something else is up with those two. Because the fact that Marv can't even be like, "Oh, just give me my settings from last year." Yeah. Am I right with that? I don't, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's uh. But if Cooper didn't get good starts this weekend, I would fully expect to see him outside of the top ten. The only thing that saved him this weekend was good starts. Yeah, I'm looking at his his lifetimes were. He just looked off, that, man. That yeah. Hot. yeah, I was thinking that maybe he just, you know, he would have done a quick fade to seventh, and that he would have been like seventh no matter what. But yeah, with those mm-hmm. lifetimes, he wouldn't nah. have really been catching too many people. Yeah, and that's. I mean, maybe it is a bike issue. You know, I mean, if they're messing around with triple clamps and and stems and and all that stuff. Um, maybe he's just getting all pumped up or, or he's getting too much of the front suspension, like jamming him into the, into the arms and the wrists. And it's, it's not pumping him up, but fatiguing him, you know, it's uh, I mean, it's a little late in the season to be messing with triple clamp angles. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, at least I, I would think it is, 
you know, that's usually one of the first things that you have a decent idea about where you want it to be. You want 22, 23, 24, you know, anything outside of that range is, is kind of hard, but it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. He just, I, it, it didn't look like Cooper to me. But also at the same time, I'd imagine that, you know, if they're, they realize they're out of the championship hunt already, it's kind of, yeah. Let's literally race test this shit. Yeah. That's uh speaking of the championship stuff, let me let me throw it up here real quick. Let me do my, my clicky button stuff. Oh yeah, where are we at? Where's my where's my sheet? Here we are. Yeah, so the guy in first place on the podium for all the motos so far, eight out of eight. Dylan Ferrandis with 179 points. Ken Roxon. I wouldn't have thought he's going to be in second place with 165, eight motos in, but he is. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, congrats to him. He's been riding his ass off. Third place, Aaron Plessinger, 143 points. Not too far. Was it, was it 36 points off uh, first place? That's He's definitely uh, in the hunt for a podium in the championship series. Because right oh, behind yeah. him is Chase Sexton in fourth place with 132 points, followed by Eli Tomac, who could sneak up and be a podium contender in the championship series over the next um, however many motos that is. And yeah, it's 14 motos. Um, we'll see. We'll see how that's going to turn out. I don't. I don't see. I see maybe AC coming up and being a top five, sneaking up if he gets his stuff together. But having a motos that like second, he's been having, like that, that second moto killed him. I still yeah. don't think he had a front brake, man. That's uh, I, I think I texted you and Jesse whenever he would come by, and the damage to the front of that bike was crazy. But he had, of course, they're coming by me a little bit faster than my eyes can register what's going on. Um, when I'm looking at small parts, but it almost looked like the banjo bolt that goes into his master cylinder for his front brake had broke or the line broke um, right there at that fitting. Um, and it looked like it was just kind of flopping around. Um, it could be just the damage of the bike playing tricks on me, but it almost looked like he lost his front brake on that second moto. He said in the podium interviews, I mean, clearly he was not happy with his yeah. performance, but he said that um, it was a situation. The only brake thing he he mentioned was that his brake and clutch levers both got moved drastically from where they should be in opposite directions. So he was not riding with. I could see that equal whatever, and so and I, I mean, I was just thinking in my head when he was talking about if they were really anywhere near that far off of where they normally were to be able to still finish twenty third overall yeah. riding like that Probably. maybe that's what i was seeing if his uh if his front brake i think on the clutch side he broke the um his hand guard i think he broke it off so that's uh i could see that one and obviously he was shifting just fine um but his if his lever or if the whole perch was bent up like into his wrist that would make a lot more sense as to why that cable looked like it was broken when he was coming by 
And it was also when he was coming through that short little like 45 before the finish line, he wasn't touching his front brake uh, on the second moto, but he had his, his handguard was all crushed down into the lever as well. So I couldn't see into it very well, but, and I, I mean, I was pretty close. I think I showed you the pictures. I was close enough that you could see yeah. pretty much everything that you needed to see, but yeah, he wasn't having a good weekend for staying out of the dirt, unfortunately. Um, yeah, but I, I don't see him being a podium battler for the championship, unfortunately, this time around. I had high hopes, but not now. I don't, I yeah. don't know if he can catch up to stay in the podium with AP being consistent like he's been. Um, Kenny and Dylan and then Eli coming back. I don't know AP if he's definitely come back uh, around. AP definitely likes that uh, that new team, man. It's 180 degree difference from where he was before they did all those changes on the team and stuff like that. Yeah, the team and the the team and whatever they did to the bike is uh, is definitely doing well for him. And then you can't argue with when you're in a, a position like that and you just feel better. Things just start happening. Yeah. Oh, he's definitely having fun this year. 100%. Oh, yeah. He's having so much fun. <laughs> but it's, uh, other than that, man, uh, what else do we have? Like 250 and 450 news wise that we can jump into. We still got a couple minutes before we have to do some of the closing stuff. Um, news wise, I don't think there's been too much. I haven't seen much news wise uh, yet. Um, Nothing that we haven't already talked about, you know, with all the way too early silly season stuff. Um, yeah. I don't think there's too much news. I'm trying to think of. I think the closest thing to news that I was kind of surprised that just Jeremy Martin, a being ballsy enough to come back to race and doing so well. And then a Mart's already back riding again. Like, yeah, can't put those kids down. Um, it's, and, unless nuts. you offer them a four fifty. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, know. I just don't, I don't understand all the talk around J Mart. You know, like that's, um, that decision. It's either a team decision. Where the higher ups are like, nah, man, this is dumb. Why are you doing it? You know, like, we're not going to let you ride because it's just dumb. Everything's settled the way it is. You know what it is. He's going to have to ride. It's no big deal. Or he's legitimately, and this is the part that I think is stupid that, and I don't think it's this way. I think there's something else that we're not seeing is that they're legitimately playing him and he thinks he may not have a ride next year. And they're like, Nah, man, you got to go out and ride and prove it to us. I don't think and so. If that's the case, like, this, the whole thing's so stupid. But and that's what I'm saying. I think it's so stupid to me that I don't think that's the case. There's something else. Either he's in a like physically feeling a lot better than we all think he is, and they're just kind of you know playing it, or well, I you don't have know. to remember he was Yamaha's top hope for a championship. 
that's a lot of weight, man. Especially when you don't finish Supercross, you're one of the top prospects for winning the Supercross 250 championship. Mm -hmm. And then you come out and outdoors and everybody's like, yeah, go get ready for outdoors. You know, like you're going to win the championship this year. You're going to. And then poof, you don't. I mean, he, for having that much weight on him, which he's been doing this for long enough, like to realize the weight is going to be there. I mean, when you are literally the most experienced 250 rider in the whole field, mm -hmm. you're going to have that weight on you every year, regardless. But it's, uh, it, maybe it's just him, you know, where he puts that extra weight on himself where he's like, I, I just want to go ride. I have, I have so much to prove. You yeah, know? I can see that. But then at the same time, and maybe it's just where I'm so out of touch of the whole decision-making thing is that, and can't understand why they're thinking about it this way is that I get that and I respect that from him, but then they're still not telling us something about how bad his injuries are or aren't and what the real expected recovery time is on that. Because yeah. there's not a single person that is just like, Oh yeah, that stuff will heal whatever it's safe for him to go out and ride and potentially really risk re-injuring himself to where he can't come back fully healthy and kill it in supercross. Yeah. You know, I just say there's like a piece of the puzzle that they're not really being forthcoming about that makes any of the possible scenarios a little confusing for is the, the why, you know? Yeah. And I, just, I think um, a lot of that has to do with, they probably just pick the, uh, what would be the longest expected recovery. And that's maybe what they just put in the press release. And then like, with mine was a is is an example of they said six weeks to a year so i just picked six months felt right mm -hmm. you know i was like i want to be riding again in six months and it was eight weeks and one day you know so it's when you hear six months and then all of a sudden boomy's back three races later which is a what it's got to be close to eight weeks or something like that mm -hmm. you know I mean, he, maybe that's just what it was. Maybe he got lucky and a surgeon had a good day and it, all his physical therapy went off without, without much problems. And it, he just felt it. And he did good for not, for just jumping back in and getting a top five after not really riding for a whole year. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, he did good, but I think it's probably just a case of that. I don't think it's them just kind of holding stuff back or or something like that at least the team wise i think it's them being extremely pessimistic with their assumptions on how long he could be out based on doctor and physical therapy recommendations which mm -hmm. everyone that rides a motorcycle quad snowcross anything like that what your doctor says versus what your body says, there's two completely different things. And I have zero friends that are doctors. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like our chosen hobby and their chosen profession clash really hard when it comes to, am I ready to ride or am I not? 99.99999%. They're going to say, no, absolutely not. You shouldn't, but you're like, I can hold on to the bike. I can still send it. You know, like I'm feeling good. I'm mm -hmm. back in the gym lifting. I'm back running. You know, like I have a little bit of limited motion, however, comma, 
when you're in the zone, you're not thinking about that. You're like, your body is just going to do what your body needs to do in order to get around that, get through that race. Mm-hmm. So, and I think, I think it's the team being, like I said, pessimistic with their, with their guesses on when he should return and hoping that it's sooner and praying that it's not later. Yeah. You know, so. I mean, and, it's, and I can definitely see that, but then if that's the thing, then still like, you know, on the broadcast, all they're talking about this weekend is like, oh yeah, all we know is that he just broke his fingers. He's still dealing with like a messed up wrist. He's got a sore shoulder. Yeah. Like if he's feeling better, fuck, he tell ha- us. He was you know, like, all come out there and up. be like, yeah. come, you know, tell us like, oh yeah, the broken fingers are healed up. This is what the thing is. Not just been like, yeah. Well, why why is a guy out there riding with when he's totally busted and coming out there and doing fifth? Like, are we just going to take mean, this result meaning up. he's healed now, you know? His whole shoulder was taped up, and he definitely was sporting a brand-new Mobus brace that he hasn't raced with in a long time. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, the fingers. I mean, obviously, he can hang on to the bars, so his fingers must be all right. But, like, the wrist and the shoulder definitely took some care to uh, for them to fix it, you know. Yeah. But it's – I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. That's hard to guess. Yeah. It's just one of those things where, you know, I wish they would be a little bit more – forthcoming about like yeah know. oh it's not that he's just racing i mean it's kind of it's kind of funny in a way if you're the team of been like oh we're just gonna send this guy out there that we thought that everybody thought was broken and let him kick ass but it's yeah. like if you're gonna send him out there i don't know just tell everybody you know he's actually healing up you know exactly like you said he's actually healing up a lot better than we thought and you know yeah. we're gonna send him out there see how he feels after this weekend and see if it's a, a, a thing also, that he can keep doing he's also one of eight guys on that team and he mm-hmm. hasn't been in the media spotlight at all because he's missed so many races that you mm-hmm. almost he's missed so many at this point it's almost easy to forget he races in the professional series mm-hmm. you know so it's i i can also see that plus if he's out there doing practice laps and doing all that i mean i think they did what they released it on like tuesday or wednesday which I get it. You know, you want to make sure he's a hundred percent committed to racing before you do do a press release saying, Hey, he's racing. You yeah. Know? But I think they, they even said that it was supposed to be, uh, they were going to try to not even do that, but somebody saw him riding. They were going to wait till like Thursday or Friday and do it as a, oh, yeah. kind of a surprise. Wait till actually everybody got to red, bud. Uh, yeah. But they I didn't mean, make it. Yamaha does play fuck fuck games, man. They have since the eighties, so you can't be too surprised about that either. You know? Yeah. Where like you have DeCoster with KTM who's very straightforward, you know, like kinda what he says is exactly what it is. Uh and then on the flip side you have Yamaha who who plays games, man. That's what they're known for. <laughs> you know. And if you ever want some crazy reading material, just look up uh crazy things Yamaha factory has done since like 1980. And some of those stories are absolutely insane. You're like, how do these guys even still have a team? It is insane with what they've done, but maybe I'll have to put something together for like in between seasons when we got some downtime, maybe we'll go over all that stuff. Maybe talk about it. Uh, Start a list. Start making. Yeah. Right. Until then, we got the Sunstar Drive of the Race. We got Justin Rodbell, who I counted 26. They were all over the place trying to track down 
who got the most passes and who didn't this week was hard. Um, and then we got Garrett Marchbanks of 24, who we didn't really talk about him, but he looked good this weekend. Yeah, I made note of his um, his ups. Both He did 13 in Moto1 and 11 in Moto2. Um, yeah. I mean, boo on him for getting shitty starts and having to do it, but that's not easy to do it twice. Yeah. Yeah. And that's uh, the bro taco sauced it. I went with something that wasn't bad this weekend for sauced it. And I picked Loran's three or Loran's the third with the 881 just for what I saw, like him and his family. And, and, and I'm assuming brother or mechanic or something like that, what they were doing in the pits to get that kid back out to at least make one moto. Um, and that was the one that really jumped to me. You know, I mean, like I said, I'm, I'd be surprised if anybody actually knows this kid or anything like that, but he's super nice kid, you know, and absolutely crushed that he couldn't race. So I don't know. What about you, man? I was looking through and I wish I didn't remember who it was that they thought was Russell on the broadcast. Cause that was one hell of a nasty thing. It looked like it could have been some broken legs, um, from what looked like a bike locking up midair. Um, but I think my real sauce at one, was Fortner casing the lead. Yeah. It just because it was it looked like he was gonna keep it going from the slow mo shot of it, but then the momentum got changed off a little bit and he just got bucked off of it. It looked like he would he hit it, bounced and was gonna kind of slowly do it, you know, land back on the other side of it. But once he's got midair the bike was like, nope, just kidding. And it just kicked him off of it. It was he was to go back and, to making it. I'll have to go back and see if I can find it. I didn't see it. I was I was running around talking to people. But it's, I'm honestly uh, not sure if the one that they showed on the broadcast was from the race or from practice. But period. It he, had to have been from practice because if it was from the race, it would have been right in front of me. And I for oh sure yeah, so it was practice. But yeah, the footage of it, he just wasn't even close to hitting it. Oh, yeah. A good like halfway up the jump, hit it. Looked like uh, he was going to ride it out. Hey, I know how that feels. That's how, that's how I have this sweet scar landing on the wrong side of the landing ramp. <laughs> yeah, exactly what he did. It was but rough. Other than that, I don't have much else, man. It was uh, it was a fun weekend. Um, had its ups, had its downs. You know, it's uh, nothing that can't be fixed. You know, mm. it was uh, it was a good weekend. I got some uh, some videos that I'll throw up in discord. If I can, I have to edit them to be able to fit the discord little thing. Um, if not, I might just slam them all together and throw them up on YouTube and then share the shit out of it, man. So, um, of the first laps with everybody. So, well, I think I sent them to you guys on, on Facebook or whatever, those dudes ripping through on the first laps. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'll throw those up on Discord, or I might even, I might even just shoot them over to Jesse to throw them up on the website, PowerToTheGround.com. Um, also, big shout out to Sean, Bro Taco Hot Sauce. Don't forget to use code PTTG for your twenty percent discount. Uh, get you some hot sauce. Get you some hot sauce, but don't be the sauced at moment unless it's something awesome. Unless it's something awesome. <laughs> and or video. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, I'm video either way. Hey, I had to go a whole week without my bro taco and had to use other hot sauce this past week. Uh, uh, it was sad. That's everywhere I stopped only had like Cholula and Tabasco. And I was like, I don't even want hot sauce anymore. Yeah, it's just not the same. Yeah. Like you, it, Sean legitimately turned me into a sauce snob. <laughs> and I can't complain about it. <laughs> but also, Sunstar Sprockets and Chains, sunstardashbreaking.com. Use code PTTG during checkout to get 30% off your order. We already said stop by power, the number two, the ground.com. Jesse's working on some awesome stuff. We hope to have some stuff out by the end of this season. Uh, so keep your eyes and ears open. We will let you know once me and Tiller know, I guess. <laughs> it's, I just know he's working on a bunch of stuff. Um, and also, don't forget this podcast and the website is powered by Nova Pro Media. Um, I can't 100% remember the website it's like novapro.media i believe um other than that take care you guys remember don't case the leap it's faster to clear it and we will catch you all next week for another wild and wonderful weekend where are we at this weekend southwick southwick yeah maybe southwick yep the wick nice i get my brain is fried from everything going on this weekend but we will catch you all for southwick uh if not before definitely on monday 6 30 p.m eastern standard time on facebook and youtube thanks for all your comments don't forget to like comment share and subscribe come join us on the discord yeah and come join us on the discord it's up on the website or just post hey what's the discord uh on one of our videos and we'll get you hooked up man all right Until next time, peace, guys. Peace.